everybody, Chris Harry with you on a week one edition of Chargers Weekly. We've got a great episode ahead for you. A bit later, radio analyst Daniel Jeremiah will give you his keys to victory against the Chiefs. We'll also get the opposing view from Chiefs beat reporter Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star. NFL Network's Dan Helley will close the show with some NFL pick'em. But first, CBS Sports' Evan Washburn gets you ready for Sunday's AFC West showdown against the Chiefs. All right, my first guest will be roaming the sidelines on Sunday for Chiefs Chargers on CBS with Ian Eagle and the Hall of Famer Dan Fouts in the booth. Very pleased to welcome on Evan Washburn to Chargers Weekly. And Evan, we got a beauty in L.A. to kick off the 2018 regular season. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Really excited for this one. Should be fun. You guys were here a couple of weeks ago for the Chargers' third preseason game against the Saints. But I want to start, let's kick things off with, with that whirlwind training camp tour that you went on for CBS. Uh, you got to visit with a lot of teams and a lot of players. Outside of the Chargers and Chiefs, what were your main takeaways from the last month? To be honest with you, it, it was a whirlwind. That's an appropriate word. And it does become a kind of a blur. And one thing that I, I've taken away from it, because this was probably the most extensive tour I've done in, in the last three years that I've done it, uh, is that you don't want to have too strong of a judgment of a team, especially if you're just there for 24 hours, sometimes less than that. Sure. And you can appreciate this as a guy who's embedded with the Chargers. You see them every day. So I usually trust the opinion of people like yourself that are around these teams over the course of the four to six weeks of training camp in the preseason. But the one thing that struck me over the course of mostly the AFC visits is that I just think this year more than ever, it's completely up in the air. I think the strength of the league is definitely on the NFC side, but the AFC is going to be a mystery to me. And I think the two pillars have been New England and Pittsburgh, and I've never had more questions surrounding them as I have heading into a season. I'm not ready to bet against them because of what they've shown in in past years, and a lot of the same important players are still there, but they just don't seem to be as stable heading into the season as they have in years past. And I think the AFC West, to just bring it back to, to L.A. And, and obviously Kansas City as well, to me is, is, along with the AFC South, probably the two deepest divisions on that side of the uh, ledger right now. And, and that, to me, will be fun, especially for CBS, since we have many of the uh, AFC games. No doubt. And to your point, the landscape of the AFC, it's so intriguing because you mentioned the Patriots and Steelers. They've always been there. You saw teams like Jacksonville emerge last year. But to your point, the, the AFC South the AFC West, and I know one of your stops was Chiefs training camp, Evan. What did you learn about those 2018 Chiefs? Uh, a lot of the same weapons on offense, but obviously uh, a new signal caller and, and a, a drastically different defense. Yeah, well, let's start with Mahomes. And, and I'll be honest, I, I was a big, and still am, big Alex Smith fan. I like him as a guy. I think he's really underrated as a quarterback. I, I admit in the numbers back it up that at times you wish that, that he had more of the gunslinger that I think we're going to get from Mahomes because he, he would often take the conservative approach. But I thought last year he was poised to take that Kansas City team deep into the playoffs. And in his defense let him down more than, than anything else, but it'll just be another check next to Alex Smith not really getting it done in the postseason. So that's where I start with it. And, and Mahomes, to me, seemed like a really aggressive approach. But I get it. After being there and then obviously getting ready for Saturday, he is an intoxicating talent. But I, I think they're going to be equally, especially this first season and maybe the first half of this, this his first season as starter, there are going to be moments that equal the wow plays that you, make you scratch your head. And, and just being there at training camp, he, he makes some wow plays, and then he's erratic for two or three uh, plays as well. So I, I think that's a benefit to teams like L.A. that may see him early. Uh, but they threw a lot at him in training camp and then have really worked to pare things down. So to think about it almost like you know one of those massive uh, hogs that people shave barbecue off of, sure. where it, it's, it's really large to begin with, and then after the course of the, the afternoon, it becomes pretty thin. It appears that they've gotten it to a thin portion here for the start of the season. Now defensively, I think they'll be much better at the linebacker position. Reggie Ragland's healthy. And, and appears to be really poised to have a big year. And then Anthony Hitchens is an addition they're really pleased with. The question marks are obvious, and it's on the outside. And then it's a safety position with Eric Berry's kind of uncertainty with that sore heel. They feel like they have something Kendall Fuller, so they got in the Alex Smith trade, the cornerback 
but Marcus Peters is gone, and, and we know he's a guy that's, that's kind of terrorized quarterbacks in the AFC West. So it, it, to me, there's a massive amount of questions surrounding Kansas City, but uh, if it all ignites in the right way for them, it could be pretty productive. You know, I want to dig into this Kansas City defense a little bit, but first, you talked to Patrick Mahomes at camp, and Evan, this is a player whose dad was a major league pitcher. He grew up around pro athletes, and this is his second career NFL start, but he seems to embrace the spotlight in pressure situations. These moments don't seem like they're overwhelming to him. Exactly right. And and you mentioned the dad over, I think, 10 years, maybe 11 years as a pitcher in major league baseball. And it was a formative time for Patrick Mahomes. He spent a lot of his kind of, I, I would say, you know, pre-teen years and maybe into the teen years. I don't have the math in front of me, but in those locker rooms. So he saw how guys handle things. He's not wowed by whether it be me or you coming up to him with a mic and asking him questions. He's got some of the cliches down, but he's also <laughs> got a bit of a swagger to him where I think I asked him in, in that interview about, the expectations, and, and he uses the word Super Bowl. And I've been around enough athletes, young and old, that want to avoid that because they just don't want everything to be taken out of context, thinking he's making some sort of guarantee, which he wasn't. But he just he seems to be comfortable in his own skin and comfortable with the fact that this organization has put a lot on his shoulders, and it's not like he's replacing somebody who is struggling. It's not Baker Mayfield going to Cleveland, where if he wins four games whenever he's the starter, he's the savior. He's got to replace a guy who was a multiple pro bowler and took the team to the playoffs pretty much every year he was in Kansas City and Alex Smith. But it seems, at least up to this point, to not be any issue for him. And, and I'm excited, curious to see how he navigates things once the season starts, because as, as we know, things really escalate in terms of the pressure, the microscope, and, and all the things that come with uh, week one through 17. And Evan, he's been given quite possibly the best set of offensive weapons in the yeah. NFL when you talk about Kareem Hunt in the backfield. You add Sammy Watkins to you know, a very scary Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, I think Spencer Ware's back this year. So there's no shortage of offensive weapons. But we go back to that, that defense, and that's secondary. It's very interesting because David Amerson recently released no more Marcus Peters. Kendall Fuller was excellent in the nickel for the Washington Redskins. Then you got guys like Steven Nelson. He's 5'10". Uh, Orlando Skandrick was recently released by the Redskins. He's 5'11". And you see these Chargers wide receivers led by Keenan Allen. And a guy that I think you got to see uh, a few weeks ago in Mike Williams, who who had an excellent training camp, 6'4", 220, could have some favorable matchups against that secondary. Yeah, I think it's a great observation. I mean, the jump ball will probably be in vogue uh, come Sunday at 1 uh, Pacific time. And and they should be tested. And I, I think Phillip Rivers is an experienced, obviously, a quarterback who, who can diagnose the defense as well as anybody in the league. will look at things like that. And, and this is a group that you throw a name like Ron Parker in there as well, where it's this unique situation where he has a ton of experience in this defense, but he was just cut by Atlanta. And he, he's most likely going to start on Sunday. <laughs> and so it, it, it seems like continuity and chemistry in the back end could be uh, a concern if you're Kansas City, which is not a place you want to be going up against a quarterback like Phillip and all the receivers that he has in front of him. So it puts a lot of pressure on D4, Justin Houston, that front seven to just generate a ton of pressure to make it difficult for Philip to hold on to the ball very long to, to take advantage of any vulnerability that there might be in the back end. You know, Evan, you guys were on assignment for quite a few Chargers games last season. I think you were on call for the Chargers' first win of 2017 yeah, against the Giants. Against New York Giants. Yeah, MetLife Stadium. The Chargers were 0-4 at that point, and it wasn't looking good. What's the biggest difference in this Chargers team that you noticed from then to now? Because I think you did a few games after that game against the Giants, and then obviously just being here in training camp. Well, I think that the biggest narrative, and in, in you, you, again, as a guy who's there every day, you know this. To me, it's comfort. There just seems to be a comfort in their surroundings. As you mentioned, we caught them right after that 0-4 start. And I'll never forget being in a production meeting in, uh, I think it was Jersey City, in New Jersey, getting ready for that Giants game. And, and they were all happy to be on the road. It, it was an oddity. I mean, th- these guys are such creatures of habit. They love being at home. That's why teams play so well at home. But because of 
the transition from San Diego to Los Angeles, some of the frustration with it, but more so just the navigating of new facilities and everything that it became, as I saw it, more of a distraction through the first four weeks. And then the way they lost those games. I mean, I, I, they'd be the first to tell you they didn't lose the games because they didn't know their locker room that well. They lost them because of mistakes made or kicks not made, mm-hmm. more importantly. But there was something that was happening by going on the road to New York and just being able to be in a hotel together and just put all that behind them. And getting the win kind of ignited that. And then over the course of the season, when we saw them at different moments along the way, they just seemed more comfortable with who they were. And that's tenfold now, being out there in in Los Angeles for the preseason and then everything leading up to week one, everything I'm hearing and reading from guys like yourself that are that this team is it feels like they're at home now. And and that's a that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And you win nine of your last twelve of the 2017 season. You win your last five at StubHub Center. And the guy who makes it all go, Evan, Phillip Rivers, entering his 15th NFL season, is going to be his 193rd career start, I want to say, versus Patrick Mahomes' second. Uh, what can you say about a guy like Phillip Rivers who not only has the offensive weapons this year, Evan, but you look at that defense. It, it may be on paper the best defense that he's played with uh, throughout his NFL career. Yeah, I keep hearing this on paper term, and, and I think L.A. is, is as much as anybody in the league right now, the, the, the on-paper champs, because you're right. When you go through a depth chart and you go through that practice trying to rank maybe your top five players on either side of the ball, L.A.'s got a ton of them, and, and the Rams have a few, too. So yep. week three, which we, we have as well, our crew has. I can't wait for that one. Uh, but, yes, it, for Phillip, this has to be – um, a build-up and an excitement that he hasn't had in, in a number of years for all the reasons you laid out. But I, I just can't tell you how much I've enjoyed o- over the last probably two years kind of getting to cover uh, Philip and get to know him a little bit in the football sense. Don't know him as much as a, as a man, but everything I've heard from guys like Dan or, or people that know him well say, you know, he's, he's a really great guy. I love the way he approaches the game. I think <laughs> that – if he wanted to, he could be a fantastic analyst because he's got a great personality. Oh, he'd be he'd he's be amazing, and, and he's got a wealth of knowledge that it just pours out of him when he's explaining football. I mean, usually, and, and again, you see this, and I watch all of them. If he's at the podium, guys hate that for the most part. And whenever I watch him, I feel like one, I learned something, and two, even if he doesn't want to be there, he can't help but be excited when people ask him football question so all a roundabout way of saying that it's my hope for him because he's put so much time in that that this team matches the expectations and and, uh, that we all have for them and maybe he has for them because I think it it would be it's it's a better postseason it's a better NFL season when we have the elite level quarterbacks like Phillip like Rogers Brady you can go through the list however you have them ranked uh, playing well and on good teams. Evan, we'll get you out here on this. There's a lot to unpack with this game. This is a big game for both teams. The Chargers have lost eight straight to the Kansas City Chiefs. What are you going to be paying close attention to on Sunday as we get this thing kicked off? Well, I think that the two things for me are, are going to find themselves, to be honest with you, more on the, on the Kansas City side of things. I feel like, look, L.A.'s still got to show up and, and match the talent that they have, as we mentioned, on paper. Melvin Gordon's got to be the best version of himself, and, and this offensive line's going to have to do a nice job protecting. But I, I feel confident about what I know about Los Angeles, and not just because I saw him play a game in person and, and all those things, but Kansas City, to me, and we touched on it over the course of you know time in the pod here, it, it's – what does Mahomes look like when things pick up in, in week one, as they obviously do? He has that one start under his, under his belt, but it's a week 17 game that doesn't matter. That, 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 that's almost like a graduated preseason game. Mm-hmm. So his just sort of how he manages the emotions, because he's a fierce competitor. He's got some of that kind of Phillip Rivers in him, and that can work against you. If, if you don't channel it correctly. So really that first 15 minutes for him will be fascinating. And then the storyline on the defensive side, it, it's really starting to trend. Like whether Barry's available or not, it's probably not going to be the all pro version. So, cause he will have not practiced in almost a month if he goes. So how they patchwork that thing 
with or without him and, and what it means against, as you laid out, the weapons that Los Angeles has, to me, are probably going to be my early priorities in this game. And then my job is always kind of monitoring um, health of players. And, and nobody seems, coming into this one, other than Barry, if he goes, really compromised. But but you always kind of keep an eye on things. I'll be curious about Joey Bosa. I know it's, I watched him work out prior to the week three game of the preseason against New Orleans. And, you know, he was going. And I'm sure it's more precaution than anything. But he hadn't played in, in a game in a while. So how he looks early in the game, to me, is going to be fascinating as well. Evan, always love when you, I, and Dan are on the call. And we're going to get you two weeks or two times in three weeks. You're going to be at the Rams, yeah, Coliseum, too? one, obviously, and, and the battle for L.A. Uh, at the Coliseum in, in week three. Let's go, man. Maybe just uh, maybe just get a, uh, a condo out here for the 2018 season. Let's I'm go. I'm for it. My wife and two-year-old and, and, and dog might have a different story <laughs> unless I can sneak them across the country. Oh, It'll be man. a challenge. Well, Evan, hey, man, I, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday at StubHub Center. Really appreciate your time and uh, wish you all the best this season. Thanks, Chris. Have a good one. All right, before we get to Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star, a quick break to let you guys know that this season we've taken Chargers Weekly to the next level. That's because I'm using Bose Quiet Comfort 35 Headphones 2 on air now. Their powerful noise-canceling technology helps me block out distractions and brings you all the latest news on the Los Angeles Chargers. And when I'm not recording, these are my go-tos, man. These are my go-to wireless headphones. They help me block out noise on the team plane so I can concentrate on my game prep and, of course, bring you that next episode of Chargers Weekly. Visit Bose.com Chargers to learn more about the most powerful Bose headphones yet. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. To get this week's opposing view, joining me on the line right now is Chief Speed writer Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star, and Brooke, first, thanks so much for joining us. We got a treat in week one, and we're excited to welcome you to Los Angeles. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to get going this NFL season with a really good week one game. Absolutely. AFC West rivals. And Brooke, there's so many storylines to tackle in this one, but let's just start with what the Chiefs are saying about opening the season in Los Angeles. It's against a team they've beaten eight straight times, but at the same time, it's a Chargers team with lots to prove out of the gate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think that this is a game that anyone's looking at, you know, historically saying, oh, they've won, you know, this many times in a row, eight times in a row. It means that the ninth victory is definitely guaranteed. I mean, this team that that the Chiefs have right now is completely different. I mean, starting from the quarterback kind of on down. um, And I know that that the Chargers and the Chiefs are kind of the two when you look at the preseason predictions that are being picked to win the AFC, the AFC West. So, it will be really interesting to see then how they kind of bring this, this energy into this game. Um, and I think, you know, the Chiefs recognize that there were some serious issues that were being exposed through the preseason. And they've had a lot to work on through roster cut weekend and now through this first week of, of real practice. Well, Brooke, I mentioned there's there's so many storylines to, to talk about here. I think the most obvious one is that the back-to-back division champs have a brand-new quarterback under center in Patrick Mahomes. You mentioned him at the top. With Alex Smith now in Washington, what has training camp and preseason been like with Mahomes as the new leader of this Chiefs offense? Man, you know what? It's been a lot of watching him kind of with bated breath because you've seen the arm in flashes, I mean, the Denver game, it was there a little bit. You've seen it in practice. You saw it in last year's preseason games, just knowing the crazy arm strength that he's had. And so I felt like, I know I did and other people in the press box, just from the first snap of the preseason uh, games this year against, the, I think, the Texans, we're all just kind of waiting for that moment, that, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he did that moment. And that finally came with that 69-yard uh, touchdown reception, touchdown pass to uh, Tyreek Hill in Atlanta. And that's, you know, represents all the good that can come from from having Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback. He has obviously the great arm strength. He's had some really good, like well-timed throws to uh, Travis Kelsey. But then on the other side of it, you have this young quarterback that's still trying to, you know, master the offense and recognize that he's going to make some mistakes. I mean, it felt like every day during training camp, we're counting how many interceptions he's thrown. And every time I tweeted it out, I got responses of, oh, my gosh, we shouldn't have treated Alex Smith, you know, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy's sure. quarterback. So, you know, it's, it's kind of falling. Um, it's, there's going to be some kind of happy medium between those two sides of Patrick Mahomes that we've seen. And I think that these first couple of games, especially, and especially the season opener is going to be about him settling into this role as a starting quarterback and recognizing, you know, ev- everyone's going to have to recognize that 
as good as he can be, there's also a huge learning curve that will come along with, with his development as the starter. That, that leads me to my next question, Brooke. How do you think Andy Reid is going to adjust this offense? Because, you know, the weapons around Mahomes are essentially the same as last year, and you add Sammy Watkins to that mix. But very contrasting styles when you talk about Smith and Mahomes. How do you think Andy Reid eases Mahomes into his new starting role? You know, I think Andy Reid, I, I wasn't around, you know, last year and years past to see his personality and, and everything. But from what everyone said around the team, Andy Reid is so excited to have this young quarterback to mold. He really likes a challenge and he really likes being able to kind of, you know, he, he got this raw talent and now he gets to put all of his tools and all of his um, complex offensive schemes into this quarterback and kind of shape him into the, the guy that he wants. Um, and so I think through preseason, they really tested a lot of stuff. They, they tried some unconventional things. They tried to stretch the field more with the understanding that, you know, there were going to be the camp interceptions. There were going to be some of the preseason interceptions. And I think there's still a lot that we haven't seen that's going to come out in the regular season. Um, but there's also, you know, Patrick's definitely developing chemistry with a couple of key guys and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, and Kareem Hunt and guys like Sammy Watkins it's still not quite there yet. And so you have to wonder how much in this regular season game that, that Andy Reid's going to want to utilize Sammy Watkins or, or put Mahomes out of his comfort zone. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it a little bit more conservative just to get him kind of worked in um, just to the flow of the game. But, you know, knowing Patrick and knowing how much he just really relishes throwing those insane passes, I'm sure that there's going to be one or two of those also, maybe more in, in this opener. Well, you mentioned this offense, and I think what makes it so dangerous is its balance, right? You have Kareem Hunt in the backfield. You have Spencer Ware behind him now. You mentioned Watkins. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, his speed scares anybody. Uh, Travis Kelsey. Has Mahomes gravitated towards anyone in particular? I mean, we've seen that Tyreek Hill bomb on loop seemingly all preseason, but has he gravitated towards a specific player during training camp? You know, to me, it really seems like it's a toss-up between Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um, Tyreek, you know, he's, he's a young guy like Tyreek. Um, they, you know, Tyreek is kind of a trash talker, obviously. He, he really likes to say that Patrick, you know, will never overthrow him and that every throw is an underthrow and you know they, they just have this really good rapport back and forth kind of thing but then I think he also really gravitates to Travis Kelsey as a guy that's been here for a long time understands Andy Reid's system and and Kelsey's also really making an effort to understand the quarterback and, and understand what's going on in Patrick Mahomes mind and he talked about that a couple of weeks ago you know whether it's talking after play if something doesn't go right hey man I was thinking of doing this you, you look like you were doing this what do I need to do to be on that same page and it seems like that connection's really paying dividends I mean there was a pass in the I think it was the third no it was the Falcons game where the week before they tried kind of the same thing passes as Kelsey's cutting you know to run out to the sideline and first game Mahomes overthrew him Second game, he threw the ball before Kelsey even made his break. And it was so perfectly timed that all he had to do was turn over his shoulder and catch it right before he ran out of bounds. Just wow. a short kind of intermediate throw there. And that's where you can see that development that's, that's going on between those two guys that, um, you know, it's a work in progress, but they're both kind of putting in that effort to get on the same page. And I think that that's where you're going to see the chemistry between Kelsey and Mahomes and then and Hill and Mahomes. You know, Brooke, at this time last year, I remember that the Chiefs went to New England, shocked the Patriots week one in Foxborough. And Andy Reid, throughout his career, whether with the Eagles or the Chiefs, he's always been a master game planner, especially with ample time to prepare. How do you think he tries to attack this Chargers defense, knowing that his quarterback is different this time, and you got bookend pass rushers in Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, guys like Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, in that secondary, uh, I think it's going to be a great chess match between Gus Bradley and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that they've definitely put a big emphasis on shoring up the offensive line, um, looking at that pass rush and, and what could be coming at Mahomes because that was a huge issue in the first preseason game. I mean, Mahomes got, I think he got hit the first play of the game and then at least two or three more times and he was just in there for a couple of series. So once that was kind of, you know, on display, they've made some moves. They just released their unofficial depth chart looking at it and moved Andrew Wiley, who was a backup right guard for Laurent Duvernay-Tardif when he was out with a, a concussion. 
they put Wiley now in at starting left guard over Cam Irving. So I think that, that you can see that they're really trying to make sure that Mahomes is protected. Um, I think that you're going to see, you know, the, the race between Hill and some of those guys in the secondary is going to be really something to watch. Um, I know that the Falcons, by the time I think that touchdown happened, the, the, the Falcon secondary that was on the field are not the starters and they were, you know, way far behind. He was breaking in the end zone. So you're going to, you know, I'm, I'm most interested to see how the chargers kind of account for that speed because, you know, most guys in the secondary aren't going to chase a wide receiver that far down the field, knowing there's no way the ball actually gets to him. And in this situation, the ball can get there. So I think that, that, I mean, you're right. The, the chess match between these two teams, knowing the pieces that they each have is going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating, especially with with Derwin James, Chargers rookie safety, whether they play him at strong or free, I think matching up against Travis Kelsey or just being responsible as the free safety. I think there's so many things to look out for on Sunday. Brooke, I want to shift gears to the Chiefs defense because it looks markedly different from last year. Most notably, Marcus Peters no longer in that secondary. You bring in Kendall Fuller, who's an exceptional nickel corner. Uh, Orlando Skandrick is in the mix. Steven Nelson, David Emerson was released. Um, As we take this, I'm not sure of Eric Berry's status for Sunday, but what's your assessment of this Chiefs defense based on what you saw during training camp in the preseason? You know, it's funny you say that it looks different from last year. Well, heck, it looks even different than it did a month ago. Yeah, yeah, that's Um, very true. That's a product of, yeah, I mean, it's very fluid. And I think that the preseason really, that's where most of the flaws of this team were exposed. Uh, David Amerson was working there as a starting corner when some injuries happened and and Steven Nelson was out with a concussion. And he was just exposed every single time. I mean, he was picked on. It felt like, you know, two, three times in a row. And he just wasn't there. He just kept getting beat, couldn't make the tackle. They have the same issue at safety with Leon McClay, who looked like he was a lock to make the team. And then they make some last-minute roster moves. And now all of a sudden they've brought in Ron Parker, who was with them all last year, released him, you know, to avoid paying him, I think it was $5 million. He signs with Atlanta, doesn't make the team there, and now he's coming back and he's already listed as a starter for week one. Um, and, and so I think that, that Brett Veach, general manager, has, has really tried to address this problem. And they've kind of filled their secondary with a lot of young guys. Uh, Tremont Smith, six-round draft pick this year, um, had a really good camp, primarily as a returner, but he played a lot at corner in the last couple of preseason games and really looked like he was starting to get the hang of it. Same thing with Armani Watts, safety rookie. He got thrown into the starting mix week one and looked kind of lost out there, but he's started to figure it out a little bit better. And so I think that this Chiefs defense has really, you know, become a, a really young unit um, because they, they want guys that they can develop. But I also think that that means that the first couple of weeks are going to be kind of bumpy, almost in a way that, you know, Patrick Mahomes has a huge upside, but the first little bit is going to be kind of rough as he figures it out. Same thing in the secondary. Um, but Kendall Fuller being there helps anchor that group. Ron Parker, even though he wasn't there during the preseason, I think that he's going to help kind of stabilize that situation. And then Eric Berry's status is really kind of puzzling at this point. Um, You know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of issues in the past. And this heel soreness kind of felt like it came out of nowhere in the middle of camp. And one day he was there, the next day he was out with heel soreness, and then you didn't see him again uh, unless he was on the sideline of the preseason game. Um, And, the kind of the thought was all along, and Andy Reid seemed to be really positive all along. You know, they like where he's at. They just don't want him to backslide. You know, they feel comfortable that he's going to be ready. And then I asked, you know, first thing out of the gate yesterday, would he be ready this week, thinking that it was going to be, yes, of course, you know, that's why we've been resting him. And the answer was, we'll see. He's day-to-day. We'll see how it goes. And that, I think, is is now really a cause for concern. Very interesting. And with those corners, Kendall Fuller, one of the best nickel corners last year. Brooke, is he going to play outside or is he going to play in the nickel? I mean, I, I know that his his strong suit is playing inside, but it seems like the Chiefs are going to roll him out as that number one corner. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that they've tried to really groom him to be able to play both positions. Um, and they've kind of had this mix of, of Nelson, Fuller, and Skandrick that seem like all three of them can kind of rotate inside and outside. And with that, it's just kind of a fluid position. So I would expect to see him at both. It sounds like most of the time they're going to try to have three corners on the field anyway. Uh, so I, I think that they're going to put him, you know, I would 
think mostly at inside when they can, but knowing the issues that that position has had, they may have to, to use him at outside more than, than they were planning on. Brooke, we know all the household names on the Chiefs, offense and defense, but if you could, give me a player either on offense or defense that fans may not know about that we should have eyes on this Sunday. You know, I think that, that someone that I there, – there's two guys. I'll, get, I'll give you an offense and a defense. Uh, offense, I'd look at Damian Williams, running back. Uh, he played college at OU and then went to the Dolphins and was okay there. He never really had a breakout season by any means. I mean, I don't think he was ever a household name in Miami. Um, but he comes to the Chiefs kind of as an, an insurance running back, knowing that Spencer Ware's injury is, you know, kind of iffy. A lot of guys don't come back from a catastrophic knee injury like that. And Damian Williams seemed to come right in and really fit with, with this team and with Eric the enemy. Um, he can catch passes. He can block. He, he's been able to kind of do a little bit of everything and has shown his strength in just tremendous ways. I mean, I saw him knock over a coach during a drill, during a blocking drill, just bowled him over backwards. And I don't think that was what he was supposed to do, you know, but I I think that he's going to be a guy that, you know, if Spencer Ware isn't able to go a hundred percent, you're going to see a lot more of him on the field. And especially with Shark Hendrick West being cut, you know, they need kind of that third down back. And I think that could end up being Damian Williams. Um, And then on the other side of the ball, a really good feel good story is Ben Neiman, undrafted rookie free agent from Iowa comes in, you know, those guys are always a long shot to make the team. And he had a really great camp at linebacker, had good preseason games, had a pick six in one. And he found out this weekend that he made the team. And I think that, you know, I I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have right away backing up Reggie Ragland, but both Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland missed a huge part of training camp and preseason with some injuries that gave Ben Neiman the opportunity to play. You know, who knows how they do on Saturday, but I think if they're rotating those guys in, Ben Neiman has the potential to be a playmaker. Um, and, and now that he's made the 53-man roster, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does in this next phase of, of his playing career. Brooke, last thing for you. What's going to decide Sunday's game? Plain and simple. This is a big-time matchup in Week 1, really a chance to set the tone for the AFC West. You know, I, I think it's going to end up being the run game. I know that that's an area where the Chiefs have had success in the last couple of years uh, against the Chargers, certainly last year. And with Kareem Hunt coming back after just an incredible rookie season, you know, he's been kind of limited throughout the preseason and we haven't seen a lot of what he can do. So I, I think that this game is really going to set the tone for the kind of, of sophomore year he's going to have this kind of, you know, can he follow up and have another monster season the way he did in his rookie year, or is he going to regress a little bit um, now that teams know what he can do? And I think that this this game and seeing how the Chargers deal with that will be really telling for how you know the rest of the season could go. Brooke Pryor, Kansas City star. Brooke, fantastic stuff. I can't wait to see you on Sunday. Welcome to the Chiefs beat and uh, look forward to seeing you at StubHub Center. Thanks so much. Can't wait to see you guys. The Chargers' new home, L.A. Stadium at Hollywood Park, is taking shape. And fans, this is your chance to get in on the action that starts in 2020. The stadium experience, indoor-outdoor design, and world-class amenities are all groundbreaking, along with the see-through roof and 70,000-square-foot dual-sided video board. The new L.A. Stadium speaks to what it means to be an Angelino, and your Los Angeles Chargers want you to be part of it all. Visit FightForLA.com. That's FightForLA.com today for more information. All right, here with Daniel Jeremiah on Chargers Weekly. And DJ, several storylines, Chiefs Chargers, but let's not bury the lead, man. We got a, a regular season debut for you. You and Buddy. <laughs> I think it's a little bit lower on the, uh, I think on the priority list. Priority A, man. You got to be excited, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if this eight game losing streak were to end, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to take all the credit. Maybe 80, 85% tops. 90%. Yeah, tops. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get into the listen, there are a ton of storylines in this game. But before we get into week one, let's rewind to the preseason. You and Money called four of these games. Uh, what caught your eye with, with some of these players? Well, one thing I always look in the preseason just to see. 
uh, who are the fast teams? You know, get a chance to see this Charger team up close and personal for four weeks. I think the, the team speed, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, kind of jumps out at you with some of the new additions that they've made the, through the offseason. So uh, that was one thing that stood out to me, the depth at certain positions. You know, you look at the cornerback depth, you look at the wide receiver depth. They've done a nice job of building that up. And, and even linebacker it was a, is a good-looking group. You know, that maybe was a little bit of a concern a couple years ago due to injuries. Um, but now I think you're seeing some young depth and, and just a lot more athletic on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, those defensive rookies. I talked to Money about Kaiser, Uchenna, yeah. and Derwin before the fourth preseason game. And then that first defensive series, you know, it was, it was Derwin with the tackle. It was Kaiser with the tackle. Uchenna with the sack. Uh, you got to be impressed with what you saw from those guys. I think they seem to have picked things up quickly. Yeah, look, they, they're getting on the field, and it's going to be fun to see the roles grow. I mean, I think Derwin's going to chance, obviously, to be on the field right away. And I think the roles of Uchenna and with Kaiser are just going to grow as the season goes along. So I'm anxious to see how quick they, they grow and evolve in this offense. And they give you flexibility. That's the thing when you have guys like that. They're versatile. They're multiple. Uh, when you're a defensive coordinator like us, Bradley gives you a lot of options. Yeah. Offensively, what did you see from those guys in the preseason? Well, I thought the offensive line got better and, and continued to improve from, from game one all the way through in that third preseason game, I think kind of culminating in that one, uh, being able to move people at the line of scrimmage, get the running game cranked up. Um, as we all know, I mean, taking some of that pressure off Phillips, huge. So to get that offensive line in sync, working together, um, that was great to see there on the offensive side of the ball. And I, you, can't, you can't deny that, that Mike Williams, with all the expectations coming into year two, had a great camp. Um, he's had a phenomenal camp. And it's started from the first day of training camp he made some plays and you could see the confidence just grow practice after practice game after game dj you've been in front offices how different is week one versus middle of the year because there's a lot of unpredictability i think in september these guys don't practice as much in the offseason as they used to they're not in pads as much what do you get out of week one I always caution people, just don't make any sweeping conclusions after the first week 100%. of the season, whether good or bad. It, it, things are gonna, teams are going to grow, um, the lack of contact, the lack of tackling. Usually you're going to see some sloppy play early on in the season. And to me, you get to the, the quarter term. Once you get to those first four games, now, okay, we start to get a sense of, of what this team looks like. But I, I trust me, I've seen teams come out there like, like a, a ball of butcher knives the first week, and then things drastically change as yeah. the season goes along. So uh, let, let's see. Let, you know, this is a big one because it's a division game. Uh, th- those mean a little bit more, and especially with the recent history in this, uh, in this battle between the Chiefs and the Chargers has been pretty lopsided. So I think it's a chance for the Chargers to make a statement. One of the things I had uh, Philip Rivers on our backstage podcast this week, and he cautioned that, hey, listen, we've lost eight straight, but there was a time where it was flipped. You know, Philip, even with those losses, he's 13 and 12 against the Chiefs. So yeah. he has visualized, he has done this before. Uh, this is a new look Chiefs team in a way, starting with under center Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they made major changes. Uh, you know, to me, Andy Reid, what he did is he traded away efficiency for explosiveness. You know, you had the efficiency of Alex Smith going to make right decisions, going to take care of the football. He was a little bit more aggressive downfield last year. Yeah. But historically with Alex, it's been about protecting the football, um, not taking sacks, not turning the ball over. And with that, you maybe sacrifice some aggressiveness. And I think Andy wanted a little bit more of that in order to, to reach the ultimate prize. You know, 12 win seasons are nice, but he wants to win a championship. And sure. he felt that Patrick Mahomes would give him a better chance to do that. Uh, but with that, you're going to see some explosive plays. You're going to see more turnovers. He's a little less cautious um, than Alex. So that's a big change for them on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, I mean, you lose probably the best ball-hawking corner uh, in the NFL. They move on from Marcus Peters. He goes out to the Rams. But uh, um, there's going to be an adjustment period for them on, on that side. And one thing they do a good job of is, is mixing looks up, mixing coverages up, um, be a little bit more aggressive in the front as well. So uh, there are definitely some changes on both sides of the ball. Yeah, defensively, the cornerback room, Phillip, I believe, had 10 interceptions last year. I think six, not, yeah, six of them were against six the Chiefs. Six came against the Chiefs, yeah. so Marcus Peters was a big problem, too. He was a big part of that. Mm. Uh, but you look at that, that secondary now. Eric Berry's coming back. As we tape this, we're still unsure of his status for Sunday. But you got Steven Nelson, you got Orlando Skanjic, who just got there. Yeah. They cut David Amerson. And you got Kendall Fuller, who's a great slot corner. They're probably going to play him outside a little bit as well. 
it looks to be a very nice, favorable matchup for the Chargers receivers. Yeah, it, it does. When you just look at the wide receiver corner matchup now, when you go back and break down those two games last year, though, and I'm sure Phillip will be the first one to tell you, he, he just got to be more patient. You know, of those six interceptions, I believe all of them were, were down the field, kind of forcing the ball vertical. You watch those games, the Chiefs, they'll mix in three, rushing three and dropping eight, and they're going to try, they're trying to bait you into trying to be a little bit too aggressive. So uh, patience for Phillip in this one is huge. Just take the layups, take what's there, uh, keep the chains moving and stay on schedule um, and I also think some of those are 50-50 balls you know you're throwing a 50-50 ball to Travis Benjamin or you're throwing one to Tyrell Williams uh, both really good receivers but now you've got a healthy Mike Williams if you do want to take some opportunities and some chances and on a 50-50 ball that's what he is that's yeah. his MO so to me uh, that's where if you want to take those chances those calculated risks if you're Phillip uh, I think Mike Williams would probably be your guy Patience in the passing game, and I think overall just balance in a running game. And we saw what Mike Pouncey was able to do a little bit in the preseason. Those guys seem to have built up a nice report the last four or five months. No question. And I'll tell you who could be a key in this game. Um, and Mike's done a nice job at center position, especially getting up to that second level. Uh, don't sleep on Virgil Green's impact in the run game. Yeah. Being able to set an edge. You watched the game against Kansas City last year. I believe it was the first contest. Uh, Melvin gets the corner and gets a touchdown. Hunter Henry had a nice block there on the edge. They were able to kind of to set that that edge and steal the corner that's something Virgil Green's done an outstanding job throughout his career and we've seen him do it in the preseason as well so uh, Virgil Green the tight ends in the run game getting an edge uh, I think that'll be a big key to this game defensively Patrick Mahomes, we mentioned him, second career NFL start. How do you rattle a guy like that? You have the pass rush, of course. You have a pretty experienced secondary. Uh, what's the key in just getting to Mahomes? Well, the, it's cliche, and you say it all the time but about these quarterbacks, but you've got to get him off the spot. Do not let him get comfortable. Uh, one thing Andy Reid is excellent with, having been around him at the time with the Eagles, the screen game. I mean, you're going to see a bunch of you're going to see bunch formations. You're going to see a bunch of quick hitters. Try and get Mahomes into a rhythm early. Mm-hmm. You've got a guy like Tyreek Hill where you can just flip him the ball and he's dangerous so uh, you'll see some of those and then Mahomes has got the athleticism to be able to create and make some things happen um, but I'll take my chances with that if you can move him off the spot and get him playing kind of helter skelter Mahomes will make a play or two here or there uh, but he's also I think he'll get a chance to get the football from him so not letting him get comfortable just setting up in the same spot and, and delivering the football you look at last year too I think the last thing you want to do especially early in this game is get into a track meet with these guys because the Chargers only scored three offensive of touchdowns on the first quarter last year so I think it's imperative that if you want to beat this team you got to get up on them and then force Mahomes into doing some things he may not want to do yeah keep the ball in front of you too yeah. I mean rally and tackle keep the ball in front of you rally and tackle the explosive plays you know that's what I'm, I'm talking about that's what Andy wants that's why he made this change at the quarterback position for those explosive plays everybody saw the highlight throw against Atlanta you know with the deep ball from Mahomes before the half he's he can throw the ball over the moon if he wants to sure but if you can force them to, to kind of eat the eat the sandwich a bite at a time instead of letting them get it all in one bite, yep. I, I like your chances. Just just keep the ball in front of you and then tackle. That's one of the things you see all these highlights of Tyreek Hill running by people. He's also a difficult guy to get on the ground, and that can be the said for the tight end as well with Kelsey. So keep him in front of you, and then tackling will be huge. And and that's where you know Derwin James' first NFL opportunity here in real action, yeah. that's going to be a big challenge. Big, big challenge for him. When you look at this offense, this Kansas City offense, DJ, who's the most – dangerous guy you know I, I think Tyreek Hill you could argue yeah. the speed you got Kareem Hunt coming out of the backfield be able to catch the ball out of the backfield Travis Kelsey you got Sammy Watkins who do you point to skill position wise you can make the case it's the best group in the NFL yeah um, you really can and so it's just you got to decide what you want to try and take away and I come back to to me the most important thing is keeping Tyreek Hill in front of you not giving up the, the big down the field explosive plays from him and then what they do formation-wise, they're going to do a lot of three-by-one stuff, and they're going to isolate Kelsey. And it doesn't matter. We saw in the preseason, you know, Trufant's one of the better young corners in the NFL. Kelsey turns him inside out. So yeah. he, he's going to do that against corners, safeties, linebackers. He's going to be a difficult matchup. So he's going to get his. I don't know how you're going to be able to keep him from that, the way they, they do it with formation to get him isolated. He's going to make some plays. I just keep coming back to the fact, hey, be able to line up the next down and be able to keep playing. Uh, do not let that ball sail over your head. Finally, 
You mentioned Virgil Green as a guy to watch. Who are one or two other guys that you can have eyes on on Sunday? I can't wait to see how Austin Eckler is going to be used. Yeah. Um, you know, I agree. He's, he has been phenomenal in the preseason. Now, you know, ball security is something you got to continue to focus on and harp on uh, with some of those issues last year. But he's special, man. With with the ball in his hands as a runner, as well as showing what he can do out of the backfield catching the football. I think he was surprised that he got the ball seven of the first eight times that third. I know, game. I know, and he looked phenomenal <laughs> he was there. Excellent. So, so to me, I, he's one. I'm I'm anxious to see what the role is. How many touches do they get him? How is he going to be used in this offense? Um, he's definitely one that I'm keeping an eye on there. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you've got your frontline players, but another player, I'm anxious to see how a guy like Isaac Rochelle rolls through the rotation here mm-hmm. and what kind of snaps he can give you, especially when you get in those sub situations that let him rush a little bit. The tension's going to be on the two guys coming outside. You've got premier, premier players, but he's going to be able to give you some good snaps in there as well. Yeah. DJ, we got a treat. Week one, your debut in the booth, regular season debut in the booth. We're excited to hear you, man. I can't wait to get to StubHub. I'm pumped for this one. All right, buddy. All right, we'll get to NFL Network's Dan Helley in a second, but I want to let you know that the LA Chargers rely on Bose QC35 headphones 2 to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. That same powerful noise-canceling technology helps you concentrate on your music, your work, maybe this podcast, or whatever you're passionate about. Learn more at Bose.com slash Chargers. Bose, the official headphones of the Los Angeles Chargers. Now on the line is my guy, Dan Helley of NFL Network. And Dan, it's like Christmas morning, brother. Football is back. How are you? I'm doing great, and I am so pumped for football. <laughs> Listen, I, I enjoy the preseason. I call the preseason games for the Tennessee Titans, but I can't wait for real live football starting with the uh the falcons and the eagles and then a full slate on sunday and a couple of monday nighters too dude and and the games are so good this this week one slate uh we see you all over nfl network you have you have some new things that you're doing too right with direct tv and and calling some games this year yeah direct tv show on sundays it's called the fantasy zone um it's right next to uh the red zone on direct tv if you're a, a direct tv watcher and it's it's a lot like the red zone only we have a a, a fantasy spin on it meaning that we focus on the players as opposed to the teams um and who's going to be helping your fantasy squad but we're hopping around from game to game and uh my nfl network sister kay adams hosts the show from new york with brian westbrook and dr mark addicts who's going to give us all the injury updates uh john hansen is there as well the fantasy guru we call him and then james Cohen and i will be holding down the fort in la that gets started on sunday and i'm, I'm pretty pumped about that and of course uh nfl network shows um Always great doing a pick'em show on Friday, a new show that we're debuting this year to uh, help everybody make their NFL picks. Nice. And uh, then the power ranking show with Maurice Jones-Drew and Elliot Harrison, which airs on Tuesday. Always a lot to chew on when Elliot throws his uh, rankings out there every week. No doubt. Well, hey, let's do this then. You got you to gotta pick them show. Let's go through five of the biggest games this week, and then we'll get into Chiefs charges at the end. And I think the biggest one, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think 49ers at the Vikings, you got a lot of intrigue there with Jimmy G versus Kirk Cousins, both teams expecting to get to the playoffs. I think Minnesota expecting to get to the Super Bowl. And then you have that wrinkle with Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins, the guy that we thought he ultimately wanted in San Francisco. He is absolutely the guy he wanted in San Francisco uh, from everything that I have heard. And, and then Jimmy kind of fell in their laps and, um, I, I think even after they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, the thought was, hey, if it doesn't work out, you know, we only uh, we didn't waste a first round draft pick. We could still go get Kirk Cousins and then and then maybe trade Jimmy G. But then, you know, Jimmy rips off five straight wins and uh, for uh, a second becomes the highest paid quarterback in football. And uh, and then you have Cousins going to Minnesota. It's a Super Bowl ready made team. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him in the offseason a little bit. Uh, I've never seen him so relaxed. You know, it was three tumultuous years as a starter with the Redskins, never knowing if he was going to be back the next season. Um, you know what they say, the guy just wants to be loved. Players just want to be loved. Show me the money, yeah, and they feel the love. And I, I think he's comfortable. I, I love that team. Um, and I, I, I want to pull the reins back on the 49ers just a little bit. A little bit, what right? What you said is in, entirely accurate. I, I think a lot of people are saying that this is a team that can make a playoff push. I, I think that's a little quick. I love the coaching staff. I think Kyle Shanahan along with Sean McVay are two of the greatest offensive minds in football. But not having Jared McKinnon hurts a lot, a lot. 
Um, so I, I, I like the, the Vikings to win this one uh, big, and I think we're going to uh, just, you know, not, not put up a full stop sign on San Francisco, just maybe uh, dial it back by, you know, 10, 15 miles per hour. Yeah, I agree with you, and it's a shame for McKinnon. This would have been a homecoming for him, and now, to your point, that, that backfield looks like it's going to be led by Alfred Morris, who Kyle knows very well from that 2012 season with the Redskins. But uh, I agree with you. I still think there's some pieces on defense that the Niners need. And they may not be there fully on offense, but they got a heck of a coach in Kyle Shanahan. Dan, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. We got, all right, this is about as many storylines as you can get. We got the Hard Knocks Browns versus a Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) team without Le'Veon Bell, it looks like at this point as we tape this. Yeah, I don't think Le'Veon's going to be coming back anytime soon. And I mean, that's, I think that's a surprise to a lot of people. Obviously, it created quite a stir um, in Steelers camp where you had a couple of linemen who were coming out and uh, basically saying, we, we thought he was going to be here and we're disappointed. And uh, you have Le'Veon's agent coming out and basically alluding to the fact that Le'Veon could miss several games and, mm. and cost himself uh, a ton of money. But he's, He's a businessman, and uh, he's he wants to keep himself healthy for that next big contract. And obviously, that that doesn't look like that's going to be in Pittsburgh since he was franchise tag. Now, without Bell, James Conner going to be the bell cow for the Steelers. Is is that enough? I really can't wait to see Cleveland because this is another team that a lot of people, including uh, MJD, who works with me at NFL Network, Maurice Jones-Drew, picked to win nine or ten games. Now, <laughs> That's I don't a lot. know what medication <laughs> he was on, but he really thinks that they are talented enough on both sides of the ball to be a legitimate contender for the playoffs. I'm not, I don't know that I'm buying into that just yet, but I want to see what Pittsburgh can be with James Conner in the backfield instead of Le'Veon Bell. I'm, I'm a huge believer in Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's going to have a breakout year, almost 1,000 yards last year. They still haven't found a way on defense to replace Ryan Shazier. They have a a slew of journeyman linebackers that they have rolled through there to do that. Um, I, I think the the back end of that Steelers defense um, can be susceptible, um, and I, I like I like the tools that, that Cleveland has. Let's just let's see them put it together now, right? I yeah. Mean, we, we watched Hard Knocks. We watched the preseason. There was a reason that Tyrod Taylor was benched by the Bills last year when they came to visit the Chargers. They didn't have a ton of faith in him, and if they win. And they they go three and two, four and one. Like Tyrod Taylor will remain the starting quarterback. If not, they're gonna they're gonna go to Baker Mayfield pretty quickly. So I'm I'm just I'm anxious to see what they have. The one person on that Cleveland team that I think is the best player on the team right now, bar none, is Miles Garrett. We're gonna be hearing a lot about Miles Garrett this year. Without question. So without Le'Veon Bell, first of all, the fantasy intrigue, I think there's a lot of intrigue on Cleveland's side with with Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Mm -hmm. uh, that that backfield there. But, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, let's be honest, you you probably picked him top three in in the first round of your fantasy draft. You can roll James Conner out there, probably as a a very solid running back too this week. Oh, I think James Conner's going to get plenty of touches. I I don't know that he – well, I do know. He doesn't bring – the versatility to the game that a Le'Veon Bell does. He's not going to rack up, you know, 70, 80 catches this year. Um, and it changes the dynamic of that offense, I think, to have Connor back there instead of Le'Veon Bell. But from a fantasy perspective, yeah, you slide him in there as your, as your running back to your RB2, as they say, and I think you feel pretty comfortable about it. Cleveland, in terms of, you know, the guys that you named, and Joku had a couple of nice touchdown catches in the preseason, but if you watched Hard Knocks, you also saw that he had some, uh, some issues with his hands, not always the most reliable pass catcher. Jarvis Landry is going to catch a ton of balls. Nobody's caught more in his first four seasons in the NFL. Josh Gordon, who knows, yeah. right? I, who knows? I, Ultimate I don't, wild I card. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rely on Josh Gordon uh, until he shows me that we can, and he hasn't shown us that we can in three seasons. Who gets the win here, Dan? Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think I think Pittsburgh goes into Cleveland and wins it. I'm I'm not. Uh, I, yes, the Brown stock is up, but it's not uh, high enough right now. I think to beat the Steelers in the opener. All right, we'll buzz through this next one because it's not the biggest of games, but it is an AFC West team. I, I want to put uh, the Denver Broncos in here. They're hosting the Seattle Seahawks, and this is a new look Broncos offense. I know you and Charlie Casterly were in Denver for training camp. Uh, mm-hmm. What'd you see from this this offense led by Case Keenum? 
They love Case. I think Case is a perfect fit for this offense. I think Elway was really smart to just bail on the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes when he realized it was getting too rich for his blood and to go all in on Case. You know, it's not a deal that's going to break the franchise. It's just a couple of years. It's actually a pretty reasonable figure. And I know he has had some struggles in the preseason, but when I was there, he, he was fitting in and meshing with that offense very well. The, the one guy that I think is going to end up being his security blanket is Emmanuel Sanders. He had 15 targets in the preseason. Uh, everybody obviously raving about the two rookies on the offensive side of the ball. Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver out of SMU, was spectacular throughout preseason and training camp. And Royce Freeman, that rookie running back out of Oregon, buy him now, man, because that, that they are going to feed him, and I think he is an absolute stud. They were trying to make it seem throughout training camp and into the preseason like it was an open race at running back when we were there, which was early in camp, by the way. They, they, they told us this was Royce Freeman's job to lose. They were impressed with him uh, from the jump. So uh, very much looking forward to seeing that offense get on the field. Um, Bradley Chubb is going to be a difference maker at some point. The impression I got was that he was a little slower coming along than, um, than some of the other rookies. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with, with Von Miller and Chubb, you're going to have some really great bookends there. Um, I, I, I think that they're going to take advantage of, of a uh, of a new look Seattle secondary, and um, yeah, I think this is going to be kind of the same story for the Seahawks as it was last year. They're going to go as far as Russell Wilson can take them, and he had a, he had a tremendous season. But you got to give him a little help on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't know if if Chris Carson um, is the guy to do that right now from the running back position. Uh, obviously, you have Doug Baldwin. They're a wide receiver who's always going to uh, put up some numbers, never going to be spectacular, but it's that defense. We got to see what they have. There's no more, there's no more Legion of Boom. Uh, there's no more Michael Bennett. Uh, this is, this is an entirely different Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah, the the Legion of Boom is no longer. And to your point on offense, Russell Wilson can't do everything. You have Doug Baldwin. Uh, that offensive line needs to play better. And Chris Carson, you will see what Rashad Penny could bring at some point during the season, too. So let's move on to Chicago Green Bay Sunday night. Added intrigue when you figure Khalil Mack is now a Chicago Bear. Aaron Rodgers returns after uh, getting hurt last year and essentially missing the rest of the season. And obviously the the Packers playoff hopes go with it. Uh, What do you see in Lambeau Sunday night, Dan? So this is the Cinderella team everybody's talking about, especially now that they have Khalil Mack right in the Bears. Yeah, a lot of parallels, and, right, between the Rams and McVay, young offensive coordinator, young quarterback. Tons, all over the place. And I say, hold your horses to that. Let's not, let's not get crazy. Um, I understand the comparisons. I absolutely do. But is Mitch Trubisky going to make that jump that Jared Goff made from year one to year two? I, I don't know yet. We'll, yeah. we'll have to see. And I don't think they're going to do that in Green Bay. Uh, Khalil Mack hasn't played a whole lot of football in the preseason and, <laughs> Not much. and training camp. So, but that being said, there's no reason you can't put him in there for 10 to 12 plays and, and just let him come off the edge and, and try to get to Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be a difference maker at this point in, in week one, because he's just been out for so long, you know, and you have to get into football shape, but uh, he, he could absolutely surprise us. And green Bay is, is what they have been for the last, decade they've been you know a a team that rides on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers who in my mind is the greatest quarterback in the game today have they surrounded him with enough enough weapons I I I don't know I I I don't know um a lot of young receivers there Dan a lot of young receivers well as we've heard him complain about in the offseason right Mm -hmm. yep uh I I I think that they he has a couple um that he trusts he has the uh, you know the Randall Cobbs and Devontae Adams that have been there for a long time. I think Devontae is ready to take that. He's getting paid like a, a dominant number one receiver. Mm-hmm. I think he's ready to take that step and become that guy. We we haven't seen a dominant number one receiver. I mean, there's there's Antonio Brown and there's Julio Jones and there's Odell Beckham and then there's kind of everybody else. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's, he's he could get to the top of that list uh, of the everybody else's. Monday night football, Rams, Raiders, a lot of intrigue coming out of this one as well. We we got that new look Rams defense, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, Aaron Donald is back, and Dominican Sue. And then the Raiders, I think everybody's scratching their head about the Khalil Mack deal. You know, whatever side you're on, they're rolling out on Monday and they got a new coach, John Gruden. 
Yeah, I can't wait to see this. You know, I was actually covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, when Sean McVay came in as a quality control consistent oh, that's right. assistant out of out of uh, Miami of Ohio, and he then went to work for the Florida Tuskers with Jay. John Gruden's brother Jay, and he was then hired by the Washington Redskins as a quality control assistant again, and I was also there covering the Redskins. So I literally have watched Sean grow up from low-level NFL assistant to head coach, and one of the men responsible for giving him his shot was John Gruden. So teacher meets pupil here on Monday Night Football. Uh, Unfortunately for John, the pupil has a roster that is star-studded, and there is a lot of work to be done in Oakland. Yeah. Just a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the team, the players specifically, were rocked by the Khalil Mack trade. I think that most of them were very surprised that it went down the way it did. And you have a generational type player that, yes, is going to command generational type money, and, and you you don't give him away. You get a couple of first round picks and you give a second rounder along with Khalil uh, in exchange for those picks. But I'm not so sure that those guys are over that right now. And I think that if you lose to the Rams and then let's just say you lose to the Broncos and Dolphins and you start 0-2, 0-3, there could be problems there uh, in Oakland. Now, that being said, I think we're going to see a better version of them offensively this year. I think the defense... Uh, needs a lot of additions to, to there. I don't know how they get to the quarterback. I don't know how they're going to cover anybody um, offensively. Derek Carr is going to make up for a lot of that. I feel like Jordy Nelson's going to be the security blanket that he, he lacked. I think we're going to see a better Amari Cooper. And the key obviously is going to be if Marshawn Lynch um, can be the Marshawn Lynch of old, but you know, you, I, I think any uh, average to above average football fan would struggle to name two or three members uh, of their defense. I mean, you look at the, you look at the linebacking core, you bring in Derek Johnson. He's like 108 years old. You have to to hear Whitehead, who's a good player, not a great player. Um, You know, you have some, Gary on Conley has potential. I, I, I believe in Carl Joseph at safety, you know, the youngster out of West Virginia. Um, I just, I just don't see how Oakland with that defense wins more than six games this year. There's a stark contrast between the age on the offense when you talk about guys like Doug Martin, Marshawn Lynch, Jordy Nelson, mm-hmm. and the, the youth on the defense. You mentioned guys like Gary and Conley in his second season. They're counting on guys like Maurice Hurst and Arden Key from LSU, these these rookies on the defensive line to to really make an impact this year, and nobody's replacing Khalil Mack out there. You got Bruce Irvin rushing the passer, but uh, a lot of young guys, Dan, that are going to be asked to do some big things in 2018. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, and Bruce Irvin is one of those guys that you, you look at him as a pass rusher, but he's never had more than eight sacks in a season yeah. in his career. I mean, he's always been a solid player, but he's not a game changer. I think one of the reasons they felt like um, they could survive without Khalil Mack was because of a guy like Arden Key, who they have been uh, impressed with. The rookie out of LSU has done some nice things in, in the preseason. And obviously, um, they took a flyer on Maurice Hurst, who had some, some health issues, and, and he's been very impressive so far. So they need both of those guys to contribute. They can't be bystanders this season, and they need to probably have them contribute more than they expected them to when they drafted them. Finally, Dan, the main event, at least over here, Chiefs, Chargers, StubHub Center, we got your guy DJ, who was just on the segment before, Matt Money Smith making their, their regular season debut in the booth, uh, and a, a lot of fun stuff in this one. The, the Chargers have lost eight straight, but they bring back a lot of guys, and this is a, a new-look Chiefs team when you talk about the quarterback and the secondary. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love the Chargers this year. I mean, this isn't a year when the Chargers are going to sneak up on anybody. I believe that they're the favorites in the AFC West. Um, the, the eight straight that you brought up is certainly something that's going to be in the back of their heads, I think, a little bit. Obviously, this is a different Chiefs team with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Uh, Philip Rivers struggled last year immensely, a touchdown and six interceptions in his two games to the uh, to the Chiefs. But um, I, I guess Eric Berry's a little banged up, has a heel issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, uh, if he's not out there 100%, I would certainly say advantage Chargers. 
I also uh, I also think that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a learning curve. He's he's as talented as any quarterback in the league, but he is also Brett Favre-esque in terms of being a gunslinger. And I talked to Travis Kelsey a couple of times in the offseason. Once uh, shortly after the trade went down when they traded Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes officially got the job, and another time a couple of months later. And he loves Mahomes, loves Mahomes. But one of the first things he said is, we're going to have to deal with the turnovers. That's just reality. They're going to be there because he's going to take chances that Alex Smith wouldn't take, which is one of the reasons they wanted him uh, in that role. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Pat Mahomes lead the NFL in interceptions. Um, and, you know, perhaps the Chargers could be on the receiving end of a few of those, maybe even the rookie Darren James, who I feel like is really hitting a stride, not listed as a starter right now. Yeah. But, um, you know, we've seen what a couple of young guys in the secondary can do for a defense, right? Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams last year with the Saints, obviously – the uh, Chargers defense light years ahead of where the Saints was going into last season. Um, but I, I, I see the, uh, the Chargers, I don't want to say handling the Chiefs in this game, but, but coming out with a victory. And um, after a couple of slow starts the last few years, 0-4 and 1-4, and I think the, uh, the Chargers are going to be in good shape after week one. I tell you the key, Dan, on Sunday – for me at least, is is that running game. Because you mentioned Patrick Mahomes maybe may making some mistakes because he's going he's gonna to sling it around. Kareem Hunt had his two best games of the 2017 season against the Chargers, 327 rushing yards combined in two games. And that was the reason the Chiefs beat the Chargers. So if he relies on Kareem Hunt, this Chargers defense needs to be stout against the run. And to your point, Derwin James is going to bring that. And he's an alpha. He's going to help in the run game. And I, I think he's the type of player you could put all over the football field. Oh, 100%. And that's why they got him. And it was interesting, you know, let a guy like Trey Boston go, who was coming off a career year. I think some, some people thought, why don't you just, you know, keep him around? He's basically signed a, a veteran minimum type deal with the Cardinals. Um, but they, they let him go and they were able to get a guy like, uh, Derwin James and that, that secondary with Hayward and James and Barrett. I mean, it's just, it's just stacked, you know, as is, as is the D line. I, I, uh, I, I fully expect the, the outcome in terms of rushing statistics to be a little different, uh, in, in the opening week of the season for the Chargers. Week one, man. I cannot wait for Sunday. He's Dan Helley, NFL Network. You can catch him on Fox this year calling some games. And the Red Zone, the Fantasy Red Zone channel, DirecTV, you making your debut on Sunday, man, huh? Yeah, looking forward to that. And then uh, and then, got a game for Fox week two. Going to be calling the Falcons and the Panthers. And then another one coming up week four with the uh, the Jets and the Jags. So this first month of the season is going to be uh, going to be busy. But, man, is it going to be fun. And I want to say one last thing, Chris, before I leave. Chargers fans, I hope you appreciate – how lucky you guys are to have two pros like Matt Money Smith and Daniel Jeremiah on your games. Those guys are absolute monsters. Their preparation is uh, is unparalleled. And uh, two of my very good friends that I work with at NFL Network. And I'm not going to be able to listen on Sunday because I'll be working. But I hope every Chargers fan in L.A. Uh, and in Southern California is. Couldn't have said it better myself, Danny. I can't wait for those guys to get rolling on Sunday. And hopefully we'll see you at StubHub Center at some point. I, I know you got other obligations on a Sunday, but maybe we can, uh, you know, get into the postseason and see if we can get you out there. I'd love it, Chris. Let's do it. And that's going to do it. Man, what an episode. Big thanks to Dan Helley, Daniel Jeremiah, Brooke Pryor, Evan Washburn for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. You can find Chargers Weekly in our new Backstage Chargers podcast on Apple Podcasts, while you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. Enjoy Sunday's game. It's a big one. And until next time, I'm Chris Harry.